and to uh, hear Mike share so much. I mean, Mike shared, he did a great job this morning. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Hey, turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. It's going to be up on the screen, but I would like for you to turn there as well. Grateful even for uh, having young Christians like Eric up here, sharing about his life and uh, things he's been through, and then to be able to share that he became a Christian, and now to see how God is using him and how the Holy Spirit is guiding him in his life and the way that, uh, and the way that he is going about doing the things that he does. We're grateful for those guys. We're grateful for the campus. Campus meets on uh, Sunday nights up in Denton, and so if you happen to be up in Denton and want to join them, we'd love to have you there as well. In 1 Thessalonians, I want to get right into it. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor and love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. And we can put the sisters in there as well, for sure. You're welcome. Because our gospel came to you not only with word, in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, you knew what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You know, whenever I read that, and I read that word power, I know this is not the best of things, but sometimes I think of Arthur Fonzarelli when he goes, power, just like that. But it is, it's powerful. And when you read God's scriptures, you need to read it just like that. Power, I see you over there, Lisa, with the A sign going on. That's right. We need to look at it with power. But if you just break it down for a second, and you look at the very first section of verse 4, it says, for we know brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Turn, go to the next uh, screens there, if you would. A few down there. Now, keep going there. This is why having the clicker helps tons, for sure. One, two more. Go ahead, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I know. It's a little slow. Keep going. One more. There we go. Right there. For we know, brothers, love, love by God that he has chosen you. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded of this, don't we? That God has chosen us. That God has taken us and he's removed us from something. And I, I often use the example, you know, have you ever been chosen for something? I mean, really chosen for something. Not necessarily like the example I use all the time of recess, as in this next screen right here. Go to the next screen. Thank you, Johnny. Appreciate that. This kid got chosen to be number one, picked first, in recess, I'm assuming that's the case. But he is getting ready to kick the ball. He got chosen, but it's not that kind of chosen. Who's really gotten chosen to do something? Something cool that you're like, I never thought that would happen. It's a rhetorical question. You don't need to answer me right now. But I think about being chosen to do certain things in my life, being picked. And this is better than that. This is way, way better than that. It's a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times better. Being chosen by God is something that is more important than anything that we'll ever experience. But let's go on, because it's more than just being chosen by God. He says in verse 5, because our gospel 
came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know, you look at this word power, and I honestly believe, I don't think we teach enough about it and talk enough about God's grace. But I think the power we're talking about right here is God's grace. It's His grace working in our lives. His ability to do things in our lives that we can't do on our own. But it's more than just the power that it talks about in the Scripture. It also talks about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And then he goes on and he talks about the deep conviction. These are the ways that the gospel comes to us. And so really when we think about what the gospel is, this in very real sense is what our gospel is. It's the power of God's grace. It's the Holy Spirit that works inside of us. And it's the deep conviction that we gain from it. What a blessing that is. You know, in the early 90s and for about 15 years, there was a coach in basketball. His name was Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was an incredibly famous, well-known, well-coached coach. He did a phenomenal job. He played basketball for many years, but he ran this offense called the triangle offense. Many of you are probably familiar with that. Some of you could care less about it. But with the Bulls, he won three championships, then someone else won one, and then he won three more running the triangle offense. Then he came to the Lakers, and he won three more in a row with the Lakers. Nine championships. It's unprecedented. Never been done before other than Red Auerbach and never done quite like Phil Jackson did it. But he did it with the triangle offense. But you know, as I look at these three things right here, God's power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction, in a very real, real sense, that's our triangle offense. That's the triangle offense that God created. Phil Jackson knows nothing about the real triangle offense. This is our triangle offense, and this is what God has brought us to be, to do, to live, how we should grow, how we should thrive as Christians with his power, working in our lives, with the Holy Spirit guiding us and us growing in our deep convictions. This is the stuff disciples are made of right here, guys. This is the stuff that disciples live in, and that's, in a real, real sense, the good news. I mean, honestly, what's gooder than God's power? What's gooder than God's Holy Spirit and deep conviction that we grow in? Some of you are thinking, wait, that's not a word. You know, this morning I want to focus on one aspect of that triangle offense here, the Holy Spirit. And I know this is a big, big challenge to take on. Because the Holy Spirit is a huge topic. It's vast. And as I've studied it out for quite a while now, I've realized the depth and the richness of which the Holy Spirit really is for us and what God has given us. And so I only, only hope to really scratch the surface. But my goal in scratching the surface is that it will produce an itch in you to want to go study it more. So this is just a little bit. And some of you might be thinking, well, what about this and why didn't you bring this up? I can't bring it all up. We don't have enough time. But you can go back and study it even more because there is so much, so much to learn. So let me ask you this. Question number one. And I've got three questions here this morning. What is 
the Holy Spirit. And there's many thoughts on that. There's many thoughts and have been many thoughts for years and years. But when we take it back to even long before, way back in B.C. days, in the Old Testament, the thought process was that it was a blast from Yahweh's nostrils. That was the Holy Spirit. And when I think of it that way, I think, well, that's kind of cool. I like that thought process for sure. Or the wind. Back when the wind was unexplainable, many thought that the wind coming was the Holy Spirit. You know, I've sat at the top of Eagle's Peak in Colorado Springs, right above Colorado Springs and right above the Air Force Academy at about 10,500 feet. And I've just sat there by myself praying to God and then to feel the wind come on me. And to think, maybe that really is God's spirit right there. Just surrounding me, enveloping me. How cool is that to feel that? It's amazing. Others have thought it's his breath. You know, it's seen as his divine power. When men were carried along, not of themselves, but through God's strength. In many cases, it was also not associated with in terms of morality, but more in terms of a power. Whereas now we think of the Holy Spirit, very real sense, in terms of morality, for sure. At the early stage of understanding God's ruah, ruah is the term for spirit in the Hebrew, was thought of simply as a supernatural power under God's authority, exerting force in some direction. And we still can think of it that way today, but there are some variations that we have to be aware of. But it's much more than this. It's much more. It goes way deeper than this. And, and in hopes that we will just grab and glean a few cool little thoughts from this morning, I want to just share just a few things of what I think the Holy Spirit is. But more importantly, one specific thing that I believe that the Holy Spirit really is for us as disciples. You know, one of the things I love getting is gifts. I don't know if you can relate. Raise your hand if you can relate. I'm going to get a little participation here. For those of you who are not raising your hand, baloney. I don't believe you. We all love getting gifts. Let's be real about that. Patrick, do you like getting gifts? Oh, yeah. Keep that in mind, Jill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I love getting gifts, especially when I'm least expecting the gift. And Laura, she's a gift giver for sure. She loves giving gifts. And so what a great symbiotic relationship we have there. I love getting, she loves giving. What's wrong with that? Now some of your women are saying, you know, she just does what her love language is. So why don't you get that, Alan? I get it. I get it. I have to give her more gifts because she loves getting gifts. I know that. But in saying that, I'm willing to bet most of us love getting gifts. But let me ask you this. Last Christmas, how many of you remember all the gifts that you got for Christmas? Okay, put your hands down for those of you who are, yeah, I don't believe you for a minute at all. How many of you remember really all the gifts that you've gotten in the last five years for Christmas? Or the last ten years? But I'm willing to bet that we will never forget this one gift that God has given us. And that's really what it is. When you think about the Holy Spirit, and you think about what God has done for us, really what he's done is he's given us a gift. 
And when we look at the gift, we need to be like this kid right here. That's me when I was five years old. Not really. But look how excited he is about that gift. What? The Holy Spirit? Oh my gosh! That's amazing! How many of you have ever been studying the Bible with somebody or in a time with somebody where you just don't know what to say to them? You're not sure how to respond to the situation. And you're sitting there praying, God, I've got nothing here. And all of a sudden, a scripture pops up from a quiet time you had that week that was perfect for that situation. That's the Holy Spirit. What a gift. There's so many more things we could share about when it comes to the gifts that God loves to give. You take all the gifts that you've ever gotten in the years past and the years in the future, and they pale in comparison to the gift of the Holy Spirit. No doubt about it. You know, it's really the one and only true gift that is a gift that keeps on giving. And that's important for us to understand. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. And in the New Testament, we see even in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit does the same exact thing. It comes upon people. But it's not until we see some things in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon us anymore. It comes within us. It does a work in us. It does a thing in us that is second to none, is beyond comprehension in many ways, beyond understanding. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit this morning, I want us to think not about the Holy Spirit that comes upon, although even as we sit right here this morning, even as we worship God, the Holy Spirit is in our presence and He's coming upon us. And when you all of a sudden think, wow, this is an amazing moment and we're worshiping God It's the Holy Spirit working in us. But it doesn't just happen here this morning. It can happen when we walk out that door. And when we're driving in our cars and we're thinking about God. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us to think about things that we might not have ever thought about when it comes to God. And then at work, when something comes up, a challenge, or somebody says something to us that we weren't expecting... And we stop and we think, how am I going to respond to that? How am I going to react to that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit giving us the things to say, the way to respond. How do we know it's a gift? Well, in John 14, verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you, to your remembrance, all that I have said to you. And then it goes on in John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. But then it doesn't stop there in Chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we've got to listen. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your benefit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send 
him to you. And down in verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You know, in the time before Jesus came on this earth, there was this period of silence, if you will. The prophets had been prior to this, and there were no more prophets going on at this time. And there was this 400 years of just kind of nothing. And the Jews kind of had this mindset of, where's God? Why has he left us? Why has he forsaken us? Why is he not there? Well, God never actually left them. It was his plan all along to send his son. And he would send Jesus down to the earth. But his plan didn't stop there because when Jesus said, listen, I've got to go. So that something better can come. Jesus dies. He leaves. And the better comes. The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing moment in time. It's an amazing moment that God gives us. You know, it's one of the reasons that they were blown away when Jesus prayed to God. Abba, Father. It was at that moment of time that they were trying, he was trying to share with them the personability, the relationship that they could really have with God. And when he sent Jesus, when God sent Jesus down, he was trying to show them, I want to have a relationship with you. And it's not going to stop right there. When Jesus leaves, I'm going to do something even more amazing than that. How many times have you thought, I've thought this many times, man, if only Jesus were here, what we could do. If only he were right by my side, guiding me, leading me. If Jesus were here, I could walk right next to Jesus, right behind Jesus. Jesus has got my front and my back. He's got me covered. Why can't Jesus be here? God, why can't you just send him down to do it all over again? Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I got something better for you. I got the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that is more amazing than any other gift that you've ever received. In your entire life. What's it all about? What is the Holy Spirit? Well I believe the Holy Spirit. Is a gift. But you know there's more than that. There's more to it than just that. Right there. What's it here for? Why did the Holy Spirit come down? We've talked a little bit about that. But I want to share Just a few things. You know, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is called by many, many names. You find these names scattered throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. It's mentioned over 250 times in the New Testament. In Romans 8 alone, you find it 16 different times in that chapter. You think, well, why aren't we talking about that chapter? Well, it is an amazing chapter for sure. But think about these words. Words such as, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Not only is he the helper and known as the helper, but he's known as the truth as well. He's also known as the convictor. And I know there's not a word convictor, but I used gooder earlier, so I'm using convictor right now, okay? He's also the enlightener. He's known as the enlightener. He's known as the assurer. He's known as the transformer. And honestly, that's a great one to look at right there. If we were to stop and just do a lesson on what it means for him to work in our lives as a transformer, we could fill up a whole lot of lessons. We could do series of lessons on it. 
Because we've all been transformed, haven't we? He's the transformer. He's the advocate, one who pleads our case. He's also the comforter. You know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being the comforter. And some people look at that and think, wow, this is great. I feel comfortable now. Holy Spirit's with me. That's not the point. The inference here is that they were uncomfortable, the Christians in the first century. Life was hard. Life was challenging. When they walked down the road and someone said, there goes that Christian, it wasn't, all right, you go, boy. That wasn't it at all. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit being the comforter, as it says in the Bible, the whole goal of that, the whole premise of that is that it was the comforter to help strengthen them through these hard times. To give them a comfort through the challenges of being uncomfortable. Let me just throw this out there. When was the last time you felt uncomfortable in your Christianity? When was the last time we felt uncomfortable in our Christianity. Ephesians 1, 13. Honestly, I think this is probably one of the biggest jobs that the Spirit has, and that is, in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. You know, the Holy Spirit, in many ways, is our guarantor. He's going to guarantee our getting into heaven. But you know, here's the thing about that, and here's what I believe that be true with that. When we read that, we think, oh, I've got it. I'm a shoe-in. No problem. And yes, God's grace is amazing. God's mercy is is amazing, for sure. But when we read scriptures like that about Him being our guarantee, our guarantor of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing us, the whole premise of that, the whole goal of the Holy Spirit is to lead us and to guide us to God so that we don't walk away from God. God never walks away from us. But we can walk away from God. And the Holy Spirit is there to give us that pit in our stomach The one you know that you get when you think, oh, is this the right thing to do? Those kinds of things is what the Holy Spirit's there for. The thoughts in your mind when you're just not sure what to say. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to us when we're wondering, Should I stay home or should I be with the body? Or even getting input into our lives. There's a whole bunch of scriptures and Proverbs that talk about that. It's a myriad of other things. You know, the other night we had a Bible talk. And in the Bible talk, I asked our Bible talk, what is the Holy Spirit to you? One of the comments that somebody made is the spirit knows the mind of God and it's our way to know what God's will is the spirit working inside of us 
Another thought was that without the Spirit, we might not care what God's will is. But only think of our own will all the time. That's kind of challenging and convicting for sure. I want to focus, though, just for a few more minutes on one scripture as we think about what it is here for. And it's not in Romans chapter 8. We don't find it in there. It's in Ephesians 5.18. It's going to pop up right here in just a second. But in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, for years I read that scripture and thought, wow, that's really interesting that there would be a comparison or even a contrast to that. Drunk on wine and the Holy Spirit. How do those two go hand in hand? But as you think about it, and as we think about drunk and drinking and getting drunk, I for one have been drunk in my life. And I have experienced and witnessed many who have been drunk. And when I see them drunk, what do you see? Stupid. You see stupid, don't you? You see uncontrollable. You see a whole lot of mess, but what you really see is you see. Does that make sense? When you see somebody drunk, it's obvious, isn't it? Case in point for the Holy Spirit. When somebody sees somebody with the Holy Spirit in them, it's obvious. It should be obvious. Therein is the correlation, the comparison for sure. Be drunk on the Holy Spirit is really what he's saying here. That's what he's trying to emphasize. It's easily detected. You can't hide it when you have the Holy Spirit within you. People look at you and say, man, there is something different about that person. That guy, Ted, he's a little crazy. Which brings up another great comparison. When you're drunk, you are a little crazy, aren't you? It's a great comparison, though, for the Holy Spirit because there are things that you do when you're drunk that you don't do when you're not drunk. There there should be things that you do when you have the Holy Spirit in you that you're not going to do when you don't have God in your life. Thus the scripture right here. Do not get drunk on wine. Why? You know, you first get the wine and the beer, and then the wine and the beer gets you. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Let it fill you up. You know, when it's easily detected and people see it in you, there's usually three different responses. I'm sure there's more responses than that, but I think about three different responses that happen. One of them is people hate the way you live, for sure. They hate that you have this difference in your life. They don't like it exposing the way they are. The other is they're just indifferent, quite honestly. They could care less one way or another. But then there's those who love what you have. 
and they see what you have. And they see the difference that it makes in your life. I think about when I became a Christian in Pacific Beach. And I was in a grocery store one day. And I was walking along with one of the brothers. And we were buying some groceries. And I turned a corner. And there in the aisle was a girl that I knew really well. And we had a relationship that was not a pure relationship in any way. And when I saw her, my first instinct was to run and flee. And rightly so. The Bible says flee immorality. But I walked up to her and I said, hey, listen. I've become a Christian. I've given my life to God. She looked at me like, what? Why are you telling me this? So I really want to invite you to come to church. I'd love for you to come hang out and see what I've learned and what I'm learning and how I'm growing and how others are are doing the same. And she came a few times and then just didn't want any part of it. But you know, over the years... We've all had the experience of helping others come to know God. And it's not just because, but really it's because God works in us. And His Holy Spirit is what makes it all. The question is, how obvious do you allow the Holy Spirit to make it? There's a scripture that we're going to share here in just a minute, but before I do, I want to talk just for a second about this word in here, being filled. There's two words, be filled. This word, be filled, really equals or means, and it's the present tense, it's a continuous thing. It's not just one time. It's all the time we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. All the time God is working in our lives. It's all the time. And this this word filled has nothing to do with contents or quantity as though we need to be filled up in such a way as that. But really it has more to do with being filled as in this right here. Being controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, in Luke 4.28 it says they were filled with wrath. In other words, they were filled with such an anger and an angst and an upset. They were just frustrated and ticked at Jesus and the way Jesus was living and the things Jesus was doing and, and, and what have you. And they, they were filled. It meant that they were controlled by it. They were controlled by wanting to kill Jesus. And in Acts 13, 45, it says, the Jews were filled with envy. It means they were controlled by their envy. Have you ever been controlled by something before? Felt so angry that you just couldn't control yourself, that it was controlling you? That's exactly what these people were going through. It was such a strong emotion that they couldn't stop it. They were controlled. And that's exactly what this is trying to tell us right here. When it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not saying, let it come in and fill you up. 
here and there and everywhere and get all the parts. What it's asking us to do and what it wants us to do is to be controlled. Let it control you. Let it overwhelm you. Let it take over. Let it be the thing that makes a difference. So let me ask you this last question. What do we do about this? What do we do about these things right here? About being filled up and being controlled and knowing what it is. It's the truth and it's the convictor and it's, it's the comforter and all these different things that the Holy Spirit does and how it works in our lives. What do we do about this? Well, one of the things that I've realized in my life and in many other people's lives is that often there's very little understanding about how the Holy Spirit plays a role in the life of a disciple of Christ, much less in anybody for that matter. There's often very little understanding in how it works. And many think that they have this thing inside of them, and so just let it go. Let it do its thing. And yes, that is very true, for sure. You have to let it do its thing. No doubt about it. But we also play a part in this. You know, earlier in the lesson, we talked about the Holy Spirit being this gift that keeps on giving. But the caveat to that is simply this. We got to let it. We have to let it be the gift that keeps on giving. You know, when I gave my life to Christ and we gave our lives to Christ, did God force us to do it? No. He let us do it. He let us make the decision. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. He gives us this gift that is more amazing, that keeps on giving, but we have to make the decision to listen to it, to hear it, to not miss God's voice in our lives, to not let it just go right by. Each day, each morning when we wake up, we have to make a decision to let it work in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 519, it says this, do not stifle the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not suppress the spirit. Do not push down the spirit. Let the spirit guide you. Let the spirit lead you. Listen, the spirit is going to do its thing. God put the spirit here to do its thing. But we've got to make a decision We've got to make a decision to listen to it, to let it work in our lives, to speak for us, to speak through us, and to speak to us. It's got a mission, the Spirit does, the Holy Spirit. It's got a mission in each one of us, and that mission is simply what? To get us home. But sadly, sometimes, mission control gets in the way. We try and take over. We try and think we know better. We try and control what we should never try to control. Don't miss God's voice through the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the warning that it gives us. Don't don't miss the guidance that it gives us. Don't miss the help 
that it gives us. Don't miss out on the Holy Spirit. Let it guide you. Let it lead you the way it was meant to lead you. Now, as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, as we have the blessing to take it, God said, look, you imperfect people, I love you so much. I want so much for you to know who I am. And so in doing so, I'm going to send my son to be a great example to you and to die for you and to give his life for us. And after that, I want you to remember that. I want you to let that dwell inside of you. I want you to put that inside of your heart and not to forget what I have done for you. But even more so on top of that, I don't want you to just to remember what Jesus has done for you and that he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead and then he ascended up into heaven. I want you to take it even further than that. I want you to remember that after that, I gave you a gift, this indelible gift that will never go away, that is always there for you, should you want it in your life, should you ask for it in your life, when you get baptized, it comes into your life, you've got to decide whether you're going to use it or not. I want you to use it. Unleash the gift. Open the box. And let it out. And watch how God can work. What's amazing is to see how God already has worked in this room. Mike alluded to it. We are a giving group in so many ways. God has blessed us. And so we bless others. With our time, with our money, with our love. As we take the Lord's Supper this morning, I pray that we remember two things. One, Christ died so that we could have that. Two, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can live it out. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we praise your name this morning, as we take the Lord's Supper, We pray that we understand the power that you display in us is not because of us, but it's through us from you. And I am grateful that you have made us awesome. You have displayed an amazing awesomeness in this group of men and women that is second to none. I pray that we will continue to tap in and desire to have the Holy Spirit work in our lives. But God, that we realize just how amazing that is, that gift. And that we don't lose sight of how it works in the pit of our stomach, but how it also takes our heart and moves it, grows it, challenges it, loves up on it, encourages it knows just the right things to say at the right times to us, knows just the right things to say 
through us to others at the right time. I pray that we remember just how loved we are because of the gift that you gave us. What is the Holy Spirit? What's it here for? And what are we going to do with it? I pray that we remember those three things right there. We remember it's a gift, but it is the thing that leads us and that we're going to let it lead us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.